Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio.
with the opening music was by Salve, vocal group from the CD Native Angels by Salve. The CD is really awesome, and I know that you can download it from the Internet. And it's uh, you can also reach it at savae.org, and they're available on Facebook, and they also do live shows, and you can listen to them on YouTube, of course, for free. And you can also get their CD on Amazon.com. I'm your host, Reverend Sharma McKinney. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenets of Sunday as a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but you may use any Bible you wish, of course. I have had many spiritual experiences, and from time to time we discuss those. And in gratitude, we'll be having ongoing Bible readings and discussion about our spiritual experiences. I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me and just doing our Bible study. That is it. I don't have an axe to grind, and I just came on here just to bless everybody and just read the Bible through. And so far, we're up to Romans, so we're really making quite a progress on reading all the Gospels, and now we're in Romans. The calling number today to listen and to call in Ask any questions at 619-924-9744. Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now let's say together our opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And we pray for all those suffering from violence from at home and abroad. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own home. And we pray for people to be free from addictions of every kind. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect all of them and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers also go out there to all the little ones who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for and problems suffering from all over the world, and they use their wisdom with the power that they have. We thank you, God, for this. Amen. We also ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. I hope, give us help to understand and withstand any force against us and also illness. That he helps us cope through illness and seek the proper channels, heal us, and also go to the doctors and find those who can help you. Every one of the families, just remember we're in our prayers. I want to wish everybody that has a birthday today very happy birthday. God bless you so much. And I really hope all your days are, are happy and the rest of the year are just filled with bliss. And I just God bless you for that. Because I know birthdays are a big time in everybody's lives. And so are certain anniversaries and everything else. So um, I just want to just say uh, we're remembering you. So um, for our birthdays today, we have Jack Kilbreth. It's Vicky Elias friend I've known for many, many years, Will, Bob McGill, Chris Rowley, Johan Neal, and Ronnie Carlisle. 
Happy birthday, everybody. Love you. God bless you all. And then we just also want to keep in our prayer for people that are having uh, the blizzard and all the snow and all the terrible weather back east. Um, um, from I guess all over the Midwest and back east, we pray for your safety and that you keep warm and that the power stays on and that you snuggle with your loved ones and that you're safe. God bless you guys all. And then, let's see, if you want me to wish anybody a special happy birthday or anniversary or announcements, just let me know and I'll, I'll read it on there. And um, if it, we're reading out of, I read out of a Bible called the Ryrie, R-Y-R-I-E, Study Bible, because I found my birth, first Bible because somebody had thrown it away in the trash can. I have since worn that first Bible out, and now I'm on my second Bible, but I'm still reading this, the Ryrie Bible. And I really like it. And if you don't have a Bible, you can go to www.biblegateway.com and also www.biblia.com. Now, let's talk about last week. Last week was Chapter 3, and uh, here's the summary from last week. Uh, remember, uh, Paul has been talking about the requirements that people that are Christian and what, what is expected of us, and he's really telling us what, God's, what God thinks of, of this whole thing. And let's go ahead and read the uh, summary. So this is last week, chapter 3. Paul's saying that being a Jew who follows Jewish law and is circumcised is not a big deal because it totally is. He said, yes, you know, you guys were the chosen one. That was the point. But he also tells us that the first people God shared his wisdom and laws with, so he, he, he was cool in their eyes and that uh, he loves the Jewish people. But it's also true that some Jewish people have been unfaithful to God over the years. And, for example, there are all those Jews that stubbornly refuse to believe Jesus is the Messiah. And he didn't think that was cool. So, you know, and then he talks to that everybody lies. Everyone, uh, everyone um, sins and nobody really knows God. Way to bring us down, Paul. Anyway, uh the good news is that it doesn't make any difference to God. The crappiness of the world just reveals how awesome God really is. God is just sweet to us no matter what. Again, Paul stresses that Jews and Gentiles are on the same footing. No one gets a head start in the race of salvation. This is basically because God sent Jesus to save everyone in the entire world. Only that he can help us from stop being so sinful and being a bunch of jerks that we can be at the same time. Anyway. So Paul says Jewish law tells us that sin isn't super important. So don't chuck out those Torahs just yet. But anyway, important thing now is that God has sent Jesus. This is the natural continuation of the Jewish law. There's also outside of it. Anyway, Paul's just uh, giving us, uh, you know, just the lesson. You know, he's having his first-hand experience, and he's giving us what he was taught. And God is going to save everyone who believes in Jesus, no matter what your background is before you came to believe. Everyone sins, and that means everyone needs Jesus, and it's pretty simple. That was our point last week. And God did all this for us because he's totally forgiving. He essentially just erased all our previous sins from his heavenly ledger and decided to give us a do-over. Now we're square again. The word Paul uses to describe this over and over is that we're now justified. So really, the big takeaway here is that no one should go around bragging and shouting from the rooftops that they have some special access to God. God gives everyone access through him, through Jesus. Everybody. Now, you should still up there on that rooftop thinking you're all it. Anyway, 
So let's start reading, if you can get out your Bible, to chapter 4. Let me uh, check this for a minute. Oh, boy. They, um, let's just keep in our prayers um, that uh, Glenn Speck has just told us that uh, there's a widespread power failure there. And uh, let's pray for them back east. We just had them in our prayers. And pray for everybody that's stuck and that we get these, keep this power on. You know, it's so important to people. And especially it's winter and when everybody stay warm and uh, be sure to get your emergency supplies. I know that my son is in New York and I told him, you know, go out and get extra food and also to uh, to get candles in case of a power outage. So anyway, welcome everybody this morning. Okay, so we're reading uh, Romans chapter 4. And let's start from the top. The illustration of righteousness. Abraham's faith was apart from his work. So that's where our study is today. What then shall we say, Abraham, for our forefather, according to the flesh, was found? For if Abraham was justified by works, who is something to boast about, but not before God? For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to one who does not work, but believes in him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Okay, let me read that over again. I don't know if I understood that. Be to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on a man whom God credits righteousness apart from his works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and for whose sins have been covered. Okay, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. That's forgiveness. Abraham's faith was apart from the circumcision. In this blessing, then, on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also, for we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then is it credited? Well, he was circumcised or uncircumcised. Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. Because remember, he was in—he was his whole self when he first met God, and he still believed, and he wasn't circumcised at first. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness, of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, and that righteousness might be credited to them. And the father of circumcision to those who are not only are the of the circumcision, but who are also following the step of faith of our father Abraham, for which we had loyal while uncircumcised. Okay, now we're on 13. Paul, Abraham's faith while is apart from the law. For the promise to Abraham or his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law of the heirs Faith is made void, and the promise is null. For the law brings about wrath, but where is there where there is no law, there is also no violation. Okay, so then it's going to the note here is Abraham's faith was in God. And now we're on 16. For this reason it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. 
17, it says, as it is written, A father of many nations have I made you, in the presence of him who we believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope that hope, hope against hope, he believes so that he might become a father to many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Because you do remember, uh, if you think back, that he was 100 years old. Abraham was 100 at this time, and his, also his wife Sarah was very old, if you remember correctly. But he said, Abraham, you're going to be the start of the father of many nations, according to which that which has been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. Now, as good as dead, since he is about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in the faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that when God had promised, he was able to also perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, as those who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. And then the last phrase is, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. So that's a good way to end that one. Okay, so let's go back and read the notes. So let's see here. Okay, 4-1. Uh, Paul's point in this chapter is that the faith-righteousness principle is not new and that he used Abraham as proof. And Abraham was justified by faith, faith not by work. And wages have nothing to do with grace, unmerited favor, but with what was due. Like Abraham, David also knew the righteousness of God apart from his works. Paul makes some illustrations are justification did not come to Abraham by faith, plus circumcision. Justification was not by faith plus keeping the law. And justification was by faith alone. So just have faith, that's the word to us. Abraham's acceptance by God on the basis of faith preceded his circumcision. Circumcision served as God's seal to Abraham that he was righteous. Paul makes clear that the circumcision alone cannot save, only faith can. And Abraham was fully faced with difficulty, yet he believed in God. And all we all need to learn is that justification is a gift of grace and that circumcision does not justify since Abraham was justified before he was circumcised and that the law does not justify since Abraham lived centuries before the law, which is really something to think about. Saving faith is faith with the giver of miracle, miraculous life demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus. And at 425, because of our justification, Christ's resurrection was for our justification as proof of God's acceptance of his son's sacrifice. So that's a reading today. And, you know, it's, some of it is is a little difficult to understand, but basically what it breaks down to, you know, by faith we are saved and by grace we can't earn it. Uh, if we can, people could buy off God and give God money and uh, do other things, persuade God to give you love. But God is love. God forgives. And we're justified by our faith. So that's, that is what's uh, 
is holding us all together is our faith. So uh, continue to have faith no matter what happens. And um, I have uh, I haven't talked about it yet. I just started talking about it a couple of days ago, but I have been very ill for a, a long time, and I just got diagnosed with a serious uh, thyroid issue, and um, I do have to have surgery to get it taken out, and uh, that will be coming up on February 13th. I'll see the doctor, and after that, I'll get surgery sometime. So I'm going to ask you all to please pray for me and uh, help me get through this. And what's happening is that I'm in, I feel like I am in a period of grace and that um, I'm persevering no matter what. I'm still working. I'm still doing everything, even though what I have um, is taking the calcium out of my bones and putting it in my blood, and it's really causing havoc. And, and then it's leaving the bones uh, with little small fractures. And it's very agonizing. But um, the surgery, there's usually a 95% uh, recovery rate, 95% cure rate. Without surgery, there's no pill that will stop this. And it's not a normal primary thing. It's a primary, paraprimary something thyroid. And anyway, so that's the cure. And um, this is what's been happening during that. Since I'm so ill, but I'm still, uh, you know, operating every day, doing the best thing I can, still working, still doing, you know, everything I'm supposed to be doing, you know. And it's brought some other stuff out in me. I had, um, I have to learn how to uh, take better care of myself. It's not, I didn't do anything to cause this, you know, but I'm going to, I want to love myself enough to help myself take care of it so I can uh, rebuild myself, you know, after this. And, um, so what's happened is is that I have been uh, like speaking to my higher self on a regular basis, and I'm really not used to that. I'm used to having flashes of insight about our greater us, per se, the higher self, the person that is healed and is in God's, you know, is with God. Maybe that's the way I could say it. But um, anyway, I envision her with a crown, which is strange too, but... Uh, so it's like me with a crown and I'm talking to her and what started it was uh, I was saying my prayers at night and uh, all of a sudden I saw a picture of me and uh, as my best self and I was talking to my my best self was talking to me and giving me a cheer up saying you know what you're going to get through this and not only are you going to get through this you're going to excel and you're going to come back bouncing back and uh, all that kind of, you know, good, super, and uh, lovable, because uh, I'm showing love and appreciation for myself, and I'm really not used to doing that. You know, I I do work in giving help to others, and I've been that way my whole life. My son even said, I don't know how you're going to take care of yourself, Ma, because you don't know even how to do it. You don't even know what it means. So anyway, so I'm, my higher self is telling me to take better care of myself, and I had a vision. I was cooking. I was making breakfast. And I was making a regular breakfast. And uh, this is when I had another vision of the same person talking to me. So it's me as my ideal me. And this is what she was saying. So I was cooking breakfast. Now I was making coffee and uh, in my old 40s percolator, which smells great. And then I was um, uh, cooking a, a couple eggs. And then I, I was frying bacon, and that's what I was doing. I was just doing like a typical American breakfast. Cooking the bacon, and um, I had a vision of 
from my higher self talking to me, and she was saying, "Now look at look at who you are. You're a beautiful garden." And she showed me a picture of a beautiful garden with every different kind of very beautiful flowers in it. She says, "This is you. Look how beautiful you are." I went, "Oh my goodness! I never thought of myself like this." Anyway, so I was sort of enjoying the little picture of a little garden and me appreciating myself, which I don't even know how to, it's hard to me to get these words out. It's kind of embarrassing, but I just want to let you know what happened. So anyway, so then she showed me another picture, took a whole pan of uh, grease, bacon grease, and poured it all over those flowers. Just so would you do this to yourself? I was like, oh, my God. You know, no, the vision was so, uh, was so, uh, I don't know what to say, startling. I never thought of that concept, first of all, of me being like a rose garden, and second of all, of when we harm ourselves. It's like chopping, pouring, mine was, vision was pouring grease. It could be chopping down your rose garden or or letting loose some wild digging wolverines in your rose garden, whatever you want to say. It's you. You know, you've got to protect yourself, and with God's help, you've got to take care of yourself. So I am, I am switching up. Um, my, you know, my... Uh, my kids are grown, my, my grandkids are grown, and um, it's my time to start taking care of myself. And uh, I, to me, it's always self, selfish. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm at the later part of my life when you start retiring and stuff like that. So I think this is my time to take care of myself without any guilt. So if you're going through a similar situation, I just want to let you know that, you know, your higher self and, and the higher self, the way God made you, wants you to take care of yourself. And, of course, we receive the blessing of God and the safety of God and Jesus and all the angels will help us too. So uh, I appreciate your prayers. I need a lot of help right now uh, just uh, maintaining because uh, my disease gets worse every day and I'm still still actively working and everything else. So I'm just trying to keep it all together. So. Anyway, thank you for listening, and I really appreciate that. So now let's go on to, let's uh, see, we'll do another little reading. Um, we read about the Lumberjack story last, last, uh, okay. I'm going to read out of our, our little sky posts, the one I read every week, and I'm alternating between Angels on Earth, which is really a cool little magazine, uh, you can get it, you can go to, they have a website, angelsonearth.org, and they have a lot of beautiful pictures of angels and, and great true stories of, uh, of you know, the activity of angels on this earth. And uh, let's see. Well, let me, let me do it then. Let's read uh, Angels on Earth. This is, happens to be a host of angels, a host of Christmas angels. This is by Helen Walker of Denver, Colorado. And uh, it says, uh, the note here says, the Grand Dome of the Basilia opened up and revealed the miracle. Okay, so it says, by Helen Walker of Denver, Colorado. Frigid wind stung my cheeks as I walked up the steps to Chicago's St. Hyacinth Basilica near my hometown of Evanston, Illinois. I was I barely felt the cold. My head was still spinning from the news. I steadied myself on the icy railing, December seventh, nineteen forty one. I was sixteen years old. 
I knew I'd never forget that day as long as I lived. How could it have happened? Less than an hour ago, my family had been cozy at home, enjoying Sunday dinner. We were all dressed up, and my little sister was in shiny patent leather shoes, and my four-year-old brother was still looking smart in matching ties. Right after the meal, we would head over to St. Hyacinth, where Evanston Township High School was hosting our annual Christmas concert for the community. Our program was known for its musical program and was honored to be one of the singers. I was honored to be one of the singers at the chorus. I could not wait until the, to perform. We had been rehearsing for weeks. I knew nearly every note. Uh, singing was my passion and my refuge. My mother said singing was like praying twice. I intended to send my prayers soaring up to the heaven at the concert this evening. Then while we were finishing up our meal, the phone rang. My father left the table to answer it. Hello, he said. Yes, I'm listening. His eyes widened and he fell silent. He hung up and turned his back to us. The president just made a radio announcement. He said Japan was bombed by her Pearl Harbor. The dinner table went quiet. Everyone seemed to hold their breath, unsure of what to do. According to my father, details were still trickling in from Washington White House. But a few things were unclear. American military personnel had been caught completely by surprise, and thousands on the naval base had died. The radio broadcasters warned that nothing could be gained from hysteria, but my mind was jumbled and I felt dizzy. I could see the same shock reflected back at me in the faces of my brothers and sisters, my mother and my father. I knew we were sharing the same thought. How could this have happened? How can this be real? My mother's voice finally broke the silence. Helen, sweetheart, get your coat. We don't want to be late for your concert. I did as my mother said, and the family drove to the church in silence. All of my excitement had vanished. Worry and doubt crowded my head. Would the United States now enter the big war? What would that mean for my big brothers? A icy chill went through me, and the thought I pulled up my hand from the church railing. For now I had to concentrate on the concert. My mother hurried me up to the rest of the stairs. I quickly put away my coat and found my place in the chorus on stage. I looked out at all the people in the audience. Were they afraid too? How would the war affect them all? My brothers, my family, my community, my country. We would ever be safe or feel safe again? Before the program began, when the teachers from the music department came to the head of the audience and repeated President Roosevelt's announcements for the crowd, I felt sick. How could any of us be expected to perform? The orchestra struck the first notes, and my classmates began to sing. I tried to lose myself in the music, but I couldn't push away my anxieties. I looked up at the grand dome of the Basilio, praying silently for strength. Singing is like praying twice, I told myself. I mouthed the words to the music, but it was as if I had no voice to sing with. I kept my eyes focused on the dome, its exquisite mural of angels and saints, stretching around the base. Bright clouds floating above them fade into a blue sky background and led up to a stained glass window in the center patterned in azure and gold. Music filled my ears, orchestra music, the voices of my friends. I felt like I was part of a celestial concert. The dome appeared suddenly to me like an inside of some observatory opening up to reveal the heavens. Glittering stars, and rainbow galaxies burst into life, casting colors across the walls of the church. A glorious white gold spiral 
case shimmered into view, spiraling down from the infinite beyond. On its steps descended a host of angels, their faces bright and joyous. They danced up and down the stairs, their divine song, joining our chorus. I realized I was singing, too. As our song came to a close, the ceiling above solidified again and the vision vanished. But I was left with a peace I couldn't have expected, especially now. Maybe it was my imagination, I thought, but deep down inside I knew I had never seen anything so real. When I closed my eyes, I could picture my vision vividly once again. And how could something I imagined take away my fear so completely? I no longer had trouble joining in with the choir. I lifted up my voice to God and sang with all my heart. Now I knew that I was singing with the angels. After the concert, I rushed around to my friends in in the chorus, asking if they had seen the angels too, or the staircase, or perhaps anything unusual at all. I asked my parents and my brothers and sister, and they all shook their heads. Why the heavenly vision was for me alone, I cannot say. But as we sang, I believe I saw Christmas angels carrying our prayers up to God and carrying God the blessing back down on all of us. And here's the afterglow part. Helen Walker passed away soon after sending us her story, but we were pleased to publish it with permission from her family. She never lost her love of singing since Nancy Walker of Denver, Colorado, one of Helen's daughters, who heard about her mother's vision countless times growing up. Her mother was a fantastic storyteller, and what she impressed upon all of her children was that we can learn from every experience, good or bad. She was always open to new possibilities, and I try to be the same way. Wow. I want to thank everybody for listening this morning. Um, It's been quite an amazing morning, and uh, I want to pray that everybody is safe home, and God bless you, and keep warm, and uh, don't worry, spring will come. We've got to remember that the middle of the spring will come. Of course, I'm in California, so we're enjoying, you know, just perfect weather, and we're very spoiled out here. And uh, I really want to say uh, I appreciate everybody that's listening, and uh, I want to God bless everybody. And let's let's all join together in a moment of silence for those out there that are still suffering before we say the serenity prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So I want to thank you once again, and uh, please let me know if you need any kind of help or assistance. I'm here. You can reach me on Facebook, of course, Charlene Simpson McCain. And you can also write me, Char McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, we're never alone. God loves you, and may your best dream come true, and true love live in your heart. I want to say goodbye to my friends, and happy trails to you, and be encouraged, and keep your chin up, and just keep mushing forward. Thank you, God. Amen.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 